Good evening, and welcome to the beautiful historical marionette theater. Tonight we're going to take a trip back in time just to the end of World War II. We're going to enjoy a story about some things that didn't happen, but would have been cool if they did. Please join your seats. This show is about to begin. Good evening, Mr. Smelly. How are you tonight? Did you have a nice drive into the theater? It was uh, cool enough out. You could have had the top down on the old sports car. Listen, if my uh, top had been any downer, it would have been. No, I don't know what I'm saying, but it was lovely. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say an hour ago. I'm not sure about right right now. An hour ago. It was my perfect temperature. Whatever it was, it felt great. Mm, it has been, uh, you know, a little preview of my favorite time of year. I, I almost have been looking for the leaves to change color. It was that nice out. Oh, wow. So yeah. let's um, not go crazy. I know, but, uh, you know, it's been so beautiful lately. I hear they're organizing a stargazing party here at the theater. We'll have to find out uh, more about that when our showgirl comes back from her her little tryst she told us about um, <laughs> she she gets a little shy when she hears that we've we've got fabulous ladies coming through mm -hmm. so uh you know speaking of fabulous ladies uh we have a special guest in the house and uh, she wanted to go ahead and tell us about tonight's movie New York reporter Polly Perkins is left with no choice but to look up an old flame when her city is suddenly attacked by giant robots. But Joe Sullivan is no ordinary pilot. He's the leader of an elite squadron. Better known as Sky Captain, he comes to the aid of his damsel as she seeks her source for the story. Will they solve the connection with the disappearance of the world's foremost scientists? Will Polly break the story first? Grab an overcoat and your best Veronica Lake look. It's time for Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Get it, boys. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies? And a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Tommy. Wow, DJ, who was that that introduced the movie? Oh, well, as you may have heard, our showgirl stand-in tonight is a star so bright, she puts the Mary in Maryland. Please give a round of applause for a returning guest, Ms. Demanda Martini. Yay. Oh, hello, 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 everyone. It's so wonderful to be back. Well, we're really happy to have you back. This is a unprecedented we've uh, to have a guest come back so many times, and, and we always love having you. I, so. I, I always love coming back, so I, uh, thank you for continuing to ask me back. Yes, and um, DJ? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could sum up the plot of this movie in a couple, three sentences, 
what would you say? Okay. Well, um, there's a, a, uh, an attack on New York. We've got some giant robots, a reporter who wants to, to break the big story. And, uh, she, uh, takes advantage of some connections she has to figure things out. Awesome. Did we have a, a trailer? We sure do. Here we go. My God. Emergency protocol 90206 calling Sky Captain. When the shadow of evil falls across mankind. Come in, Sky Captain. A bold flying ace. This is Sky Captain. I'm on my way. One intrepid reporter. What's this all about? He's coming for me. Who's coming? And a courageous naval officer. What have you got me into this time, Joseph? Nothing you can't handle, Frankie. Are all that stand between the enemies of the future and the world of tomorrow. Captain, this is Dex. Do you read me? Come in. Hang on, Dex. I'm a little busy. Jude Law. Hold on. Gwyneth Paltrow. Can't anything ever be simple with you? And Angelina Jolie. It's a pleasure to finally meet the competition. Joe! I see it! Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Wow. Uh, gee, uh, and our guest tonight, Demand, it looks like she could just step right onto that screen and be uh, bright, <clears throat> right in costume and uh, and play right into it. I did consider doing like a full grayscale, but I was like, I don't have the time or effort. <laughs> <laughs> um, Demand, the last time you were with us, we were kind of in the middle of the Great Plague. But I've noticed on your Twitter that you are getting out and about. And how's that transition been for you? You're um, you're actually performing in person at places. Yes, yes. So um, for a while, uh, things in DC were were all closed, and um, so like the we slowly were transitioning. So I did do um, a live show. Uh, it, it was like in the middle, like you know, right in the middle. It was like in like like November, um, and it was very weird because it was like performing for an audience, which was great because you know I've been doing so much stuff at home, uh, but it was like we couldn't touch anybody. They had like the butterfly nets for people to throw like tips in, so it's <laughs> like you know you didn't touch anyone. Um, so like it was it was very it was very strange. Like I just I felt there was still like a big disconnect. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, a, a friend of ours or, or a friend of mine, uh, Logan Stone, um, she got this great partnership with a new bar in DC called Tallboy. And so before things really opened up, what they did is they did happy hours where they had um, drag guests come and we were just hosts. So we would just walk around and be like, hey, how is everybody? Like, does anybody need anything? I will go tell your server. Um, so like we never, we didn't serve anything. We didn't like make any drinks or like take any orders, but it was, you know, we were just there to sort of like engage with people. And from that, because those Monday nights became popular when um, DC finally opened up, it just transitioned right into um, performances, which has been so much fun. So it has been Great. So last weekend I had a show on 
Saturday and then a show that following Monday. And it was so much fun to like finally be like back and in person and like performing for people uh, and like really get that like engagement with people. And also to be honest, make money Um, like digital drag though fun. Um, I love making, uh, you know, the music videos that I've been making and doing all of the appearances, um, you know, on various podcasts or YouTube channels and all of that stuff. Like all of it's been great. Please don't get me wrong. Like I, I love doing it. I love talking about things that I enjoy, like movies and comic books and all that stuff, but um, there's no money in it. (laughs) So it was nice to like actually like have people pay you for the service that you were doing. Um, which was, I mean, not that I do it strictly for the money either. Um, cause obviously I don't, um, because I, I do all of, you know, all of these other things, but it, it was, it was just so awesome to like be like with people and have them like show appreciation for, for the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Was it, uh, was it hard? Were you nervous? going back to doing something live or was it like just getting on the bike and riding again oh, or no, it was very nerve wracking. So Boom. like, I, like I've been doing, I mean, I've been doing drag for a long time, but I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from, I'm the Chantuse of Southern Maryland. Like I'm down here in like my own little bubble, um, kind of doing like my own things and my own shows and, you know, like my cabaret and stuff. And um, so like, I haven't performed a lot in like DC and more like, sort of a mainstream what people consider to be drag shows mm-hmm. kind of kind of capacity like I've done a few but like this was like the first time that it was like I wouldn't I shouldn't say first time but I mean it's been a long time since I've done that and it, I haven't done it that much so it was very nerve-wracking um I did um three brand new numbers because I was like listen if we're gonna if we're gonna come out we're gonna come out big like I'm not gonna do any of the stuff that you know I've been doing um so, so yeah, no, it was, it was very nerve wracking. Um, I also felt like it was a little bit of, of a, of a test kind of to be, you know, to be like, yes, I am here in the DC area and I am um, a performer <laughs> and somebody that, you know, people would want to see and that, you know, I have something to offer that's a little bit different than some of the other performers that are in the DC area. Yeah, I think the uh, I don't know if the video I saw on Twitter was the DC performance you speak of, but I'm pretty sure you were in your um, Marvel Girl. Oh, oh, Jean Grey, yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, that, that yes, that was in DC. Okay, so, um, and again, like I'm I'm a little different than than a lot of um, drag performers. Like I base all of my stuff from cosplay because that's kind of you know where where I come from and. Um, so yeah, I, I, I gave the children some, some, some Jean Grey, uh, which is, is amazing. Um, so the song that I was performing is called Jean Grey by an amazing artist called, um, their name is Tunde O'Lanrian. Um, I hope that I'm pronouncing that correctly. I still haven't heard anyone actually say it. So anyway, um, but Tunde and I have been talking over Instagram because when they saw, my music video for that song, they like lost their mind being like, oh my gosh, yes. Like, I feel like I've made it because a drag performer has performed my song as Jean Grey. Um, And uh, so like, they like lost their mind when I also did it live 
uh, and like shared the videos and stuff. Like they they've been very very lovely to like like and share all of the stuff that I that I've been posting as well, which is which is awesome. That's super. I'm really glad that that you're back and you're you're making money again. But I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it looked like you were just having a great time. So yes, and and hopefully, um, you know, some of the the venues that I've worked at before um, down here for the cabaret. Um, Eleanor's New Deal Cabaret. Hopefully we'll be um, opening back up soon. Um, there have been a couple of issues with some of them, like uh, our, our main one, um, the New Deal Cafe in Greenbelt. They lost their food vendor. So they've been working hard and trying to get someone else because obviously there's no point in them opening if they don't have food. Um, <clears throat> so so uh, hopefully once they get that sort of squared away, we can start performing there again. And the and the cabaret can come back. Um, we're looking for more venues um, down here in Southern Maryland. Again, just kind of bringing drag and musical theater to people who don't necessarily get to get out and see those kinds of things. Awesome. And you know, just just to think, uh, wasn't all that long ago where socially distanced drag <laughs> meant boots and slipping dollars into slots? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> So, Jamanda, um, we want to thank you for coming by this evening, and we have a film that we want to discuss with you. Um, now, we actually uh, like to put things into the frame of mind of the year that the film came out. So, uh, if you see that place where we call it setting the stage. Yes, yes. All right. So, I'm going to go ahead and cue you in. Here is your teletype, ma'am. All right. So, U.S. history in 2004. 2004 doesn't seem that long ago, but it sure <laughs> was. Um, so, the NASA Mars rovers, a Spirit and Opportunity, landed on Mars. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk of Mars these days, and that's so crazy that it didn't happen that long ago. Anyway, the city and county of San Francisco begins issuing same-sex same sex marriage licenses as an act of civil disobedience. I remember this very clearly and to think that again, it was not that long ago and you know, look where we are today. Um, Senator John Kerry wins the democratic nomination for president. I completely forgot that he ran uh, <laughs> the last Oldsmobile car rolls off the assembly line. Massachusetts legalizes same sex marriage, which again, blows my mind. Uh, president Ronald Reagan died at 93 uh, construction begins on the Independence Tower at the site of the former World Trade Center. New Jersey Governor James McGreevy publicly announces he is gay and resigning in November. Okay, so I'm going to... He didn't just announce he was gay. He was caught <laughs> cheating on his wife. And then he was like, oh, but I'm like actually gay. And I that kind of like started a whole thing where like when people got caught in sort of like bad situations uh where they were just like oh but i'm gay so i'm sorry um like very like more recently it was like kevin spacey was like i didn't mean it i'm just gay and i'm like no kevin spacey no no <laughs> um chinese pc producer lenovo buys ibm's global pc manufacturing business again 2004 does not seem like that it was that long ago i mm. Uh, was graduate. I had graduated from college and living in Pittsburgh at the time. 
trying to find a job, any job, and couldn't find one. And then halfway through the year, I moved home here to La Plata and worked at a butcher deli. Cutting <laughs> hmm, meat. 2004 was a very strange year. Pittsburgh, wow. eh? Were you chasing your queerest folk dream? <laughs> kind of, yeah. So um, a, a friend of mine, uh, Melissa, she lived in Pittsburgh because she was going to Point Park, um, now university at that time was still called Point Park College. And uh, so we lived right over the hot metal bridge in the south side. Um, it, it was super fun. We had a cute little townhouse. Um, the problem was that we were all poor. I didn't have a job and the other two were still the other two roommates were still in college and we just just seemed like we couldn't catch a break to like you know like like get out so like the the plan was that we were gonna I was gonna live in Pittsburgh with them and we were gonna work in theater and we were gonna like do it and like be artists and all the stuff but I just couldn't find like that first job to like pay the bills Mm -hmm. and eventually my parents were just like yeah um we already did the whole paying for you to go to college. We're not paying for you to live. (laughs) Um, So uh, I had three theater gigs and um, yeah, they, none of them paid anything. They, I mean, they think they paid like $200 a piece at the end of the run. Um, I mean, it was, it was a fun time. I kind of call it my last or my lost semester because also I graduated college early um so i so i had like a whole semester um that i lived in pittsburgh instead and it was it was fun um but it was definitely not the best situation Hmm. so 2004 toppy it wasn't uh, all that long ago so uh we don't have anybody who uh, really has made a name for themselves on the hollywood walk of fame just yet who were some of the celebrities that left the world in 2004 well, we got a lot of familiar names. Um, Ann Miller, uh, she was a dancer and actress that went way back. I think her last huge hurrah was on Broadway uh, in a, uh, a, a rousing. Um, um, gee, what did they call this kind of theater? It, it, it uh, when you have uh a program that's a bunch of songs. Oh, medley. Well, it's not a, like, like a review, a review. Thank you. Like that's review. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was with Mickey Rooney and it was called sugar daddy, sugar babies, sugar, sugar baby. daddy, mm-hmm. sugar baby. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like a really bad uh, last big hurrah, I think. Um, and then we had Jack Parr, who was the original host of, uh, the late night talk show that Johnny Carson took over. Um, and we had Cicely Adams who died way too young at the age of 46. And she was Moogie on deep space nine. Did I say that right? DJ Moogie did. And I think she was also Don Adams from get smarts daughter. Oh, all right. Also the wonderful actor, uh, Paul Winfield died that year. So did Tony Randall, uh, most well-known probably for The Odd Couple on TV with Jack Klugman. Ray Charles, the singer-musician, died that year. So did Marlon Brando. 
and they buried him in a uh, coffin uh, in a in a piano case. No, that's not true at all. <laughs> uh, Jerry Goldsmith, the musician composer, uh, Rick James, another singer and musician, and our dear Julia Child, the renowned uh, French chef and author of many books, and she was just a beloved personality. Uh, that Julia Child and Roddy Dangerfield passed away. So did Christopher Reeves, uh, legendary for Superman, the Superman movies, um, and actress Janet Leigh, uh, Lee, I'm sorry, who's uh, the mama to Jamie Curtis. Mm-hmm. Jamie Lee her, Curtis. And known for her ability to scream. <laughs> yes, yes, they were. They were screen queens. They were. Okay. So Sky Captain in the world of tomorrow. It was a film. It talent. It dazzled us on the silver screen. And in 2004, the top of the box office was uh, consisting of Shrek two at 441 million. Of course that had uh, the voices of, uh, was it Mike Myers in that? Mm-hmm, Mike Myers and, uh, Eddie Murphy and Cameron Diaz. Yes, and uh, it was a, a year of sequels. Number two at the box office that year was Spider-Man Two, at three hundred and seventy-three million. That still had Tobey Maguire at the time. Uh, number three, uh, I don't usually mention this movie, but uh, you know, Mister Tinfoil Hat was involved with it. The Passion of the Christ brought in three hundred and seventy million that year, and uh, well, you know, some of us had an Easter meal. Um, (laughs) and number four was, uh, the, um, sort of the middle of the run of the Harry Potter series, Prisoner of Azkaban brought in 249 million. Now we here at Matinee Minutia at the Marionette Theater, we are, um, a lover of the underdog. So it wouldn't be any surprise that, uh, runner up was, uh, to this film, was uh, Ella Enchanted, which had the voices of Anne Hathaway and uh, Joanna Lumley. And for those of you uh, British sitcom fans, she was um, Patsy in Absolutely Fabulous. And uh, one lower was Agent Cody Banks, the sequel. (laughs) That was a thing. It was a movie that happened. (laughs) It had Frankie Muniz from Malcolm in the Middle. And then uh, the bottom rung there was Around the World in 80 Days. Now, it wasn't a bad film. In fact, it has one of my favorite action film star, Jackie Chan, who's legendary because he does his own stunts. Okay, so, Demanda, I I hope that you're ready. We got the, the hot lights warming up just for you. (laughs) <laughs> so my first question for you about the the film we're discussing tonight uh sky captain it takes place in sort of a an alternate version of time it's uh 1939 and you know in one of the early scenes of the film we see the hindenburg three docking at the uh, empire state building of course we know the hindenburg well she she met with a, a sad fate so um as an example of alternate history, do you generally like these types of movies, uh, you know, alternate history stories? So um, if you guys can see, I'm a huge fan of the X-Men. 
for those of you who, who are watching us on YouTube or whatever. And the X-Men are all about alternate timelines, alternate history, alternate stories. So I do enjoy that. I think a lot of the um, like fun episodes of TV shows um, that we watch, um, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or um, I'm trying to think um, what some of the other ones. You know, it's, it's always like when there's that, one thing that like changed history and so you like you're interested to know like how things are different and why things are different so yeah i'm i i, I love a fun altered uh, altered history um i think uh I, I think it allows people to like be creative and um really show like how the world can be a very different place but at the same time the same place and be still be very relatable uh and and interesting uh i'm trying to think of a uh, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm looking at my giant DVD collection. If there's like anything that that is also sort of like that, that I could sort of talk about. Not really, like nothing's jumping out at me, but no, I I, I do love those. I think it, I think it's cool. Um, it's just it's just sort of it's it's interesting because uh, it it can sort of um, take your expectations and turn it on its head because you know you think that you know. Um, you know, what, what could happen, but, uh, because something has changed, um, you know, you don't, you don't know what, what, what will happen. So. Okay. Well, that's certainly, uh, what draws me in with stories like this, seeing what might've happened if this was different. So, oh, right. Well, uh, because then Tommy, Tommy in the, uh, in the chat room said, uh, mentioned the, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, yes, which was one of DC's. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC was filled with well, they have alternate. the whole yeah, the whole multiverse. So, like right now, I'm rewatching um, the Justice League cartoon series. So, it started by watching Batman the animated series and the Superman the animated series, and then the subsequent Justice League cartoons. Mm-hmm. And some of the best, um, some of the best ones. It's always them going to an alternate universe or an alternate timeline um traveling in time um just 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 because i i think with dc and also the x-men with like a multiverse it it is the most interesting to especially long-term fans when Mm -hmm. it's like oh what you're taking like my favorite character and it's then they're completely different because of this one small you know one small thing that's that's happening i remember being the Marvel zombie that I was still am that I always thought I'm so glad Marvel doesn't do this multi-universe shit because I like having everybody here and we're all in the same universe. And although Marvel did have uh, an, an alternate earth that orbited the sun exactly opposite of, of our earth. And there was a, an alternate civilization there and there were a few others floating around but basically uh it, it was a single universe thing but you know now marvel's like totally multiverse so and i mean the, the thing is that marvel has has kind of always been um multiverse it's just they didn't they didn't fall into the same trap as DC because what DC did is because DC had been around longer they had the issue of already having these characters that were around for like 30 to 40 years um 
and and then you know and then comic books becoming popular so they needed to figure out a way to get these characters who were around in the 30s and 40s to not be 100 years old yeah. uh, so they had to like nope that's earth 2 where time runs differently and that's a whole different thing over there um and and then um again because they it, like marvel's sort of a uh, way of getting around like all the time stuff is just they have a sliding time scale where everything is only like 10 or so years ago like whatever that it's always 10 or so years ago where dc is like oh no nope, we're just rebooting the whole universe every every 10 to 15 years mm-hmm. they're rebooting everything and everybody's starting back at number one and getting a whole new origin story which also for a long-term fan um gets exhausting which is why i'm not as big of a dc uh person as i am marvel person because they just love they love a hard reboot they just like hit the button restart it (laughs) where marvel like tries to retcon or like work its way around so it's not like super crazy um Mm -hmm. well i enjoyed the uh, i enjoyed the the sky captain for that part of it because it, it felt like i was looking at a movie from the thirties, but it was showing me something from the future. And, and so it was, it was a weird kind of way to, to get into it. Uh, and I want to talk about the director just for a few minutes, because I, the only reason this movie got made was because of this director. He also wrote the thing and uh, his name is Carrie Conran. And the thing about this guy is it's pretty much always done. And the reason for that is he started working on it years before it ever became uh, released. And he was working on it when he was a kid and he got his brother in on it and they were using old computers. And as the technology kept going, they kept finding better ways to do what he wanted because his, the thing he always wanted to do was to present this uh, a, a modern adventure film, um, but in a almost completely uh, made up world because he loved King Kong. He loved Lost uh, uh, Horizon. He loved Flesh Gordon. He loved Metropolis. And it's, what he wanted to do he was also very very interested in animation and so he had this vision for this movie that obviously changed a lot as it went along but he was working on it when you know on a crude mac way back when and then he got you know a better computer and a better computer and finally he compiled a short movie that was something like sky captain and he took it to Hollywood and said, all right, who wants to do this? <laughs> I think it's incredible that he found somebody that, that would take this on, considering he'd never done a movie before. This is, this is his first feature-length movie. So uh, I just love that. I, it's like he was born to do this movie. You know, and I know that a lot of the, um, the build-up to having this film made was uh, creating a short film that they used in part to guide the cast as they were filming it. So um, on the DVD and the Blu-ray, there is the original, I think, seven-minute short film 
that is what he used to pitch to the studios to get right. the funding to make it. Right. But, um, you know, that that's part of his background as well as he studied animation and uh, he studied under, uh, well, I'm forgetting his, his first name, but uh, a, a very uh, industry known person, Bill Gaddis, who is actually the, the father of, um, of uh, Dallas is uh, Dallas, the Dallas TV series, um, Miss Ellie's, daddy <laughs> oh okay but uh he he actually worked for the animation houses that um, people like disney would often hire from so um that was part of his background that helped him get this film made so we are at about the uh halfway mark in our show we're gonna step on over here to the refreshment stand and uh while madame uh gertie is out of the house tonight uh it's a uh, open bar. Woo-hoo! <laughs> so grab yourself a top shelf bottle and uh, listen to the cast of Sky Captain as they talk about uh, their insights into the film. And this is uh, for a little bit over three minutes. This film, it's a healthy mix of action, science fiction, adventure, comedy, romance in the genre of Flash Gordon and Indiana Jones. Ready to make a run for it. It has all those elements of really classic 1930s, 1940s films. Heroicism and mystery, but it also has this amazing modern edge to it. I don't think anybody's ever seen anything like it. I think people would just really be fascinated by the way it looks, because it looks completely new and super cool. We're shooting here at the George Lucas stage in London, where he shot the first Star Wars. It was a favorite of his, and we're here with a perhaps next stage in filmmaking. The world that we wanted to create on this film, we couldn't have created in any kind of conventional way. Every scene was kind of handcrafted. Every single shot is uh, visual effects. What's unique about this film is that it's a retro sci-fi piece. These signals coming from one of those machines, you've got to keep them in one piece. I thought there was a chance here to do something actually quite amazing. Which machine is it, Dex? Sky Captain is a hero who's got a twinkle in his eye. It's similar in some ways to Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones. Joe, look out! I've played parts in the past that have had, you know, stunt sequences or uh, action sequences, but never someone who just basically did action sequences all the time. And it's kind of nice to have the simplicity of that in a role. It's really fun to play somebody who has a lot of sass and moxie and is kind of getting in the center of things and running around, even if she has very high heels on. This had better be important, or one of us is in trouble. She knows Jude's character, Sky Captain, from a few years ago, and we're not exactly sure what happened, whether they were madly in love or whether they nearly killed each other, <laughs> but they have a past. Enemy target spotted four points to the right. Look sharp. It makes it totally limitless. They can set it wherever they like. They can put all kinds of effects and scenery in the scene. Everything was to be added afterwards, with the exception of the very few environments and key props that you pick up and actually use. I'd never shot a film like it. The whole thing had to be made on blue screen. In a way, like a theater, like an empty space in a theater. They have to imagine this world that hasn't yet been created. There literally is nothing for them to play against. 
because it was so different because the, the time we had to kind of shoot it was so limited i knew there was going to be problems things that we didn't expect to happen but we figured them out before we actually started shooting well essentially we've made the movie twice because in order to be prepared for london where we're going to shoot the actors we made the show in animatic form and then went to london and replaced all the live action with gwyneth and jude and angeline and everyone else they have an animatic version of the entire movie we get to watch a scene already done on computer before we step in and do it ourselves, which is great because it's all edited. They know exactly what shots they need. I mean, thank God for the animatics. It give you a sense of what it's going to look like. So it's not only just acting to a big blue cavern. I think a lot of people don't make this much effort in films anymore. I've never seen anyone who's used the technology we know we have at our fingertips in the computers this artfully, this gracefully, and with this much style. Hey, and we are back. So we were just discussing the director of this film, Mr. Kerry Conran, and uh, we're just going to move on uh, to talk about the others who made up this terrific cast uh, Demand, if you will, uh, go ahead and uh, let us know a little bit about the leading lady in this film. Sure. So Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, who is the uh, daughter of actress Blythe Danner, uh, she was born in L.A. Um, she, uh, uh, like in her first five years, uh, she averaged about one movie a year. Um, her earliest works were uh, 1991 with in shout with john travolta and uh something that i what on upon re-watching recently remembered that she played young wendy in hook so not like like little girl wendy but like when wendy was like grown up and like a a, a lady um you know, a, a young woman that peter was like uh you're old <laughs> what's going on um of course, with, with Robin Williams and and of course Dame Maggie Smith mm. as as Nana Wendy. Um, and a year later, she had her first leading role in Jefferson and Paris with Nick Nolte um, by the director of Maurice and Howard's End. Um, Sky Captain was her twenty seventh film. Wow. Um, she did win an Oscar for um, Shakespeare in Love. I'm trying to remember what year that was. Is that ninety seven? Mm, don't know. Ninety seven. Um, Sorry, that's not in the script. I'm just remembering. Um, and uh, she would start in eight films over the next five years that followed, leading up to, of course, her now very uh, famous long-term role as um, Pepper Potts in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting with Iron Man 1. Mm-hmm. And so Gwyneth played the sultry blonde heroine in the movie who was the reporter with that crazy camera. Um, who else did we have, DJ? Hey, well, um, the, the love interest, the old flame, was uh, played none other than by English pretty boy Jude Law. And, of course, he was born in the UK, and he began acting in television his first role was in 1994, a film called Shopping, which was directed by Paul Anderson, who also made Event Horizon in the Resident Evil series. Jude Law starred in 12 films in his first five years, and the movie he did just prior to Sky Captain was called Cold Mountain in 2003, and it starred Nicole Kidman, and it was about a U.S. Civil War veteran. 
and Sky Captain was his 18th film. Jude Law would star in 12 more films in the next five years. And Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow were also in Gattaca together. Hmm. Um, have you guys seen Gattaca? I have. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that they accomplished quite a bit for not actually showing the technology of that future. Yes. Yes. Agree. Agreed. Um, yeah. Uh, like I, when this came out, I do, I was just like, Oh, are they doing another movie together? Like for like, I, I was like, is this when I, when there were previews for this and I was like, I'm like, didn't they just do a movie together? Of course it, it's obviously a while um, in between them, but um, yeah. 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 I'm sorry. Just so Toppy, tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Toppy, you had a question for Demand there. The second question? Well, uh, I really enjoyed um, seeing you doing uh, cosplay at, at conventions over the last couple of years that I've known you. And uh, I know, obviously, you are not just into it, but I mean, it is a huge part of your life. Um and I actually think I know the answer to this because I think I've seen the look. But do you have a wartime era cosplay that you do? So, uh, um, so one that I would actually really like to do that I have not done yet. I need to do like a classic Wonder Woman from from that era. Um, but one that I do have that is kind of of this era being that it, it was technically World War II-ish uh, is Silk Spectre from the Watchmen series. I'm mm. uh, sorry, my fan is blowing my hair all over my face. Um, so with, you know, with like the the bumper bang and the victory rolls and the, um, you know, and, and the hairnet, she's also very, very sexy, very sultry. Um, I'm trying to think, and I don't think I have like a, a lot of like my aesthetic outside of cosplay, as you can kind of see, is kind of like that um, mid twentieth century, nineteen uh, forties through early sixties kind of aesthetic. So like, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so so a, a lot of those looks, I'm I'm really I'm really into. I think I've seen, uh, and maybe this is what you described earlier, but uh, you were like, um, oh. Uh, Doggone it. But they were uh, women's, they were the women that, that participated in World War II. They had a name, but you had the hat and you looked very. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. So, um, so it, it was a, a USO version. Yes. A USO. Yes, a USO version of Dazzler. So um, for those of you who sort of like have followed comics for a long time, um, D the DC universe a few years ago, maybe even close to 10 years ago, came out with something called um, the, the Bombshell series where they took their superheroines and put them in sort of that vintage pinup style. For example, just because she's sitting right here, this is Bombshell Wonder Woman. <laughs> it has a very Rosie the Riveter kind of, kind of aesthetic. Um, so anyway, so DC had been doing that for a few years. So there is an artist that I follow on Instagram. His name is uh, Sergey Torres. And he is also known as X-Men Fan T-Shirts on Instagram. And he released a whole series of bombshell X-Men characters. And Dazzler very easily lent herself to be a 
USO um, singer. And so I decided that I needed to do that look. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have done, uh, so Bombshell Dazzler is a look that I've done a a few times now. Uh, I originally wore her at Dragon Con back in 2019. Um, and subsequently she's been in a music video that I did. And then I recently performed as her in Baltimore at the Baltimore Eagle last Saturday. Awesome. Tommy hash Browns in our chat room suggests a great character for you. Agent Carter. So I do like Peggy. I do like Peggy Carter. Please don't get me wrong. I, that is not something that I would that I'm like necessarily looking to do. Um, it, 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 I've talked about this a lot on other podcasts that I've sort of, uh, that I've been guests on when people suggest characters for me. Um, when I've seen a character done and done well, I'm just like, I can just check it off my list. I don't need to do it. Like I'm, I'm not going to do it any better than these people. I mean, maybe eventually, you know, I might be like, oh, I have a blue overcoat. Sure. And a red hat. Um, but it, it's not something that I'm looking to do just because I've seen it done so well by many other cosplayers. So I'm kind of like, what, what am I going to add to the conversation? Mm-hmm. Know what I mean? <laughs> so there, so you've seen at least a few agent partners oh, oh, out there. Well, and, and that's kind of the other thing too. And again, this is not any sort of like disrespect or shade on any cosplayers, but like there are definitely certain characters that become popular. Um, a lot of just MCU characters in general have mm. become extremely popular for a lot of cosplayers. And Peggy Carter is, is first of all, a badass. So I, I get why people like her. But she also has a relatively an, a relatively simple look in the sense that it's like kind of regular clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some of it, I mean, you still have to shop for it, like, especially if you're going to do like her uniform. Um, but I mean, it's a it, it, it's something that a lot a lot of cosplayers can easily can easily get. So a lot of people do it. So again, not something that I necessarily look for. Again, a lot of my cosplay more deals with Z list D list characters, whereas like Peggy, because of the MCU, has really become very popular. And they even brought her back in the comics as. Um, as a different character, she runs a whole spy agency now and like has red hair for some reason. And <laughs> I, I really, I really enjoyed uh, the, er- the uh, mid seventies, early seventies, uh, Steve Englehart, Captain America, mm-hmm. where uh, Peggy Carter was reintroduced uh, as a woman about the age she should have been, mm-hmm. you know, and, she was having Captain America was really having a problem because they were lovers mm-hmm. and here they are so separated by age. And unfortunately Peggy got the impression somehow that Captain America and she were the same age because she she just wasn't getting the fact that they were distanced now in age because mm. he was in suspended animation. And so he would appear before and be very gentle with her without destroying the illusion she had created mm. that they were still in love and they were still, that was a great storyline way back then. Anyways, 
you know, about this movie. <laughs> I, I was just about to say, you know, Demanda, your your bombshell dazzler look, it wouldn't take much tweaking, and you could be Olivia Newton John and Xanadu. <laughs> I I, I, mm-hmm, I I'm fully aware of that as well. <laughs> All right. Let me get into the last uh, of our lovely ladies in this movie, Angelina Jolie, who isn't in it a lot, but she's great in in what she does and she portrays this kind of pinch hitter uh for um our hero the sky captain and we know they have a history we're not sure whether you know we're really not sure what happened i mean it could have been they were lovers it could have been they couldn't stand each other but they got a lot i we're not really sure but uh at least at this point, Angela, Angela, Angelina Jolie has the sky captain's back and she appears in the nick of time in several moments in the movie. So she was born, Angelina Jolie was born in LA and she's the daughter of actor John Voight. Uh, she starred in her first movie in 1982 at the age of seven And that was a movie called Looking to Get Out. And she was in that with John Voight, her father. And that was directed by Hal Ashby. Then uh, her first leading role was in Hackers in 1995 uh, with her future first husband, Johnny Lee Miller. And Sky Captain was Jolie's 19th film, um, averaging seven films within five years. And after Sky Captain, she starred in eight movies over the next five years, including Mr. and Mrs. Smith um, with Brad Pitt, The Changeling, which was directed by Clint Eastwood, uh, about a mother's fight with the LPD, LAPD in 1982, uh, 1928, sorry, over her missing son, which was a real story. And if you ever catch it, it's like, uh, it's a strange story. Um, Strange story. What, Angelina Jolie also won the Oscar for Girl Interrupted, which was yes ninety five with Winona Ryder. Yeah, ish. Um, it's just interesting that you know the two ladies have Oscars. Jude Law does not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, he, he, I think he was nominated early, like early in his career, but I don't think he's ever. Well, yeah. never won anything. And uh, uh, demand to correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the star of The Handmaid's Tale on Netflix also part of the cast of Girl Interrupted? Um, possibly. I haven't seen Girl Interrupted in forever, and I have not watched Handmaid's Tale. So. I haven't either. I just know that the actress who's on that played um, Martin Sheen's TV daughter on The West Wing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and she was on uh, Mad Men. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's another good show. Mm-hmm. So, Demanda, that brings me to a question I have in mind. Now, I know my answer, but uh, you know, um, Dazzless, if you will, with your answer to this, who's your favorite cap character in Sky Captain? Favorite character. Favorite actor. Ooh. Well, you could give us one of each. Um. I'm just looking at the script that says actor. Um, so character, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, you guys. I did not like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I so it was my first time watching it when you guys asked me 
to join you on this episode. And so I watched it. Um, it is available on um, Amazon Prime. And um, it was not my favorite. <laughs> it was, it was I, listen, I, I love camp. I love alternate histories. Like everything about it seemed, I was like, oh, I should like this. Um, but I didn't like it. Um, so a lot of the characters were very, um, again, because of the uh, sort of time frame that it was supposed to take place in, as well as like, there's there's also like the tropes of when when you, a modern movie takes place in the past, it's like they're trying to fight stereotypes, but it's like they try to fight too hard and then the, the characters just become kind of annoying. Um, so I didn't, I didn't care for a lot of them. And... Uh, Subsequently, of the two uh, or of the three actors, uh, you know, that are like the main actors, I kind of don't like any of them either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like Jude, like Jude Law, um, you know, I used to like him a lot. And then, you know, he slept with his nanny. And that was just kind of something that just kind of turned me off uh, um, about him. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow is um, crazy pants. Um, <laughs> I will, I will say this, though, about Gwyneth Paltrow. So many years ago, I want to say it was maybe like late 90s, early early 2000s. She appeared on Oprah. And sorry, uh, I'm just going to turn off this fan. Sorry. I usually, I usually keep a fan on because it's so hot up in my room. But like my hair is just getting on my nerves. Um, anyway, but she was on Oprah. And one of the audience members of, on Oprah asked her the question, Oh my gosh, Gwyneth Paltrow. How do you stay so thin? What what is your diet secrets? And um and one of the Paltrow uh was just like well and she was answering honestly and so you could tell she was like processing she was like well you know I kind of eat whatever I want to um so but you know I I try and like of course you guys like ooh ooh she eats whatever she wants and she goes wait 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 wait, wait. stop 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 she's like yes I eat whatever I want to but she's like but I also work out for four hours a day, six days a week. And they were all like, oh, uh, oh. she's like, she's like, yeah. She's like, it's my job to look like this. So I have to do things in order to maintain looking like this. She's like, it is a real job. It is something that like, I'm always thinking about. So she's like, yeah, I can eat whatever I want because I know the next day I'm going to be working out for four hours that day. She's like, she's like, it's what I do. She's like, when I'm not shooting, I am on a very strict schedule of, you know, and I just, I felt like that very honest answer was something that a lot of people hadn't really been talking about up to that point. You're like, oh, you know, just, you know, a little, just a little exercise and champagne or, you know, something stupid like that to say. And I, I just really appreciate like her honestly being like, so you who work eight hours a day in an office and then come home and don't have time to work out because then you're taking care of your kids. You can't do the, I eat whatever I want, Gwyneth Paltrow diet because you're not working out for six hours a day. <laughs> you know, it's a, 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 again, I, I did appreciate that. And I have never been team Angelina Jolie. Um, and then when she stole Brad Pitt from Jennifer Aniston, I got even more angry with her. So I just don't care for her. Usually if I see her in a movie, I'm really like, <sighs> Like, I just don't. I I just don't care for her. There there there's something about her that just really kind of irritates me. Um, 
Like a, a few years ago, she was in that movie Salt about like the spy. I didn't want to go see it, but a friend of mine really wanted to see it. And I'm like, I don't know, it's Angelina Jolie. It was okay. It, there was nothing like extra special about the movie. It was very uh, formulaic spy who was brainwashed. It was very born identity kind of a thing. Um, but so of the, th- of, like, again, if I would have seen this movie in 2004, I'd probably have a very different opinion of it, but seeing it just a few weeks ago with like, you know, the world as it is. uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. DJ, what about you? Uh, You were going to say your favorite actor in the cast. Yeah. So Demanda, I'm uh, not that long ago. We discussed the movie Jeffrey with Patrick Stewart Mm-hmm. And of course, there was a very famous scene where they're on a game show and they're asked, you know, who would your dream date be? And his answer was Yoko Ono to see the apartment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, this is not my answer on who's my favorite, but, you know, I'd go on a date with Gwyneth Paltrow if I got to meet Blythe Danner. <laughs> <laughs> I'd really like to meet your mom. Right. I mean, you know, they, they say that our parents are who we become later anyway. So. <laughs> I hope so, but no. Uh, I would say, um, not you know, not not polar opposite of your your um, opinion of the world, Demanda. But of the three that were in this cast, I think that I enjoyed Angelina Jolie just for the character that she played. Because if you're basing things on this being alternate history, her character was the most different of them all. I mean, I don't know that in 1939 a woman was able to be much more than just a nurse in the army of the UK. So just the fact that she was not only an, you know, an officer, but she was the commanding officer of a mobile, you know, uh, aircraft carrier, basically that was pretty badass to me. So, um, I, I think that Frankie was her name. I think Frankie was my favorite character in the film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure that the story behind uh, her and um, uh, Joe Sullivan, Sky Captain, um, you know, their their little tryst there is the reason why she wears an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I'll just say I, I just liked looking at young Jude Law, and I, I thought he was <laughs> you know a great um, he was he was good in this. Now I, I I'll say this about the movie. Uh, the plot is, is pretty skimpy, uh, and the characters are pretty comic booky <clears throat> and not exactly fleshed out. And their motivations are all right out there. I mean, there's no subtlety about any of it. And so the story was just like okay for me. But what really got me about this movie was the look of it and. I was fascinated by the color palette and I was fascinated by what they chose to show and what they didn't show. And, and the very uh, old timey film use of old uh, tropes like the spinning newspaper, you know, all those things, uh, uh, ways to show that time had passed and, and the headlines in the paper and and uh, all those old movie tropes. They were like there were like so many nods to 
wonderful old movies that I love. And I, I fell in love with it mostly for its look, which I thought was just kind of brilliant. And I've never seen anything that, that really looked like this. There's not a single frame of that movie that isn't artificial in every every way. There's a few props that they hold on to that are real. But other than that, it's all made up. And I just find that like, that's pretty, that's kind of an achievement, I think. So I'm going to uh, uh, recant a little bit. My favorite actor in this movie was Laurence Olivier. <laughs> now I got to ask you guys about this because I'm watching this movie and I'm the guy that sits and watches the goddamn credits uh-huh. and you better f- get in your seat and sit down and not block me from watching the credits. <laughs> Anyways, I was watching the credits and I said, Lawrence Olivier, wait a minute. <laughs> and I go back. So he's the old guy that gets killed off at the beginning. No, it kind. I guess it could, but no, it took me forever to figure out who he was in the movie. <laughs> and I didn't even realize he was dead. When yes. They yes. Anyways, that it's threw me dead. because I couldn't figure out who the hell, what part he played. And I finally figured it out. But yeah, that was kind of neat. Well, so, and- so I, I was just going to say, I don't, I don't disagree with you that the movies look is is very it's very different um however again because i saw it just a few weeks ago instead of like when when it came out and i honestly don't know which one kind of came out first but i was a huge fan of sin city uh when it came out and then um the spirit which did not do as well but still two comic or two comic book movies based very heavily in that sort of like noir stylized um again shot a lot on blue screen and green screen um and 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 i and i feel like again you were saying uh so for me i had already seen movies that did it better mm-hmm. so so watching sky captain i was like okay yeah this was around the same time that these movies came out so i can kind of see how this this trend played out but but again like those in my opinion those movies did it did it better so 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 again it sort of like tinged my opinion of watching this you know 15 years later yeah part of the the look of the movies everything has this artifice and uh demand you used a word when you did a blurb on twitter about this you didn't call it steampunk no, but it's called it's called diesel punk. Diesel punk. So, okay. so, so it's I I stole it from Wikipedia. So it's <laughs> it because steampunk is when you're talking about like Victorian um, industrial revolution um, sort of uh, sort of stuff and taking mm-hmm. taking a technology that's based in like steam engines. Diesel punk is what the what this movie is meaning that it's uh, that. 1930s to 1960s uh before like uh more science fiction um like star trek kind of sure space stuff like just uh, an example uh sorry to interrupt but just visually an example is all the machines had rivets yes visible rivets yeah which, which which again is very much the technology and look of the time 
because that's how you would imagine in 1939 and 1940, how things would still be constructed and put together. Yeah. Which also, which is also why I didn't necessarily like, um, and now I can't remember the actress's name, but she's uh, the, the, the femme fatale villain uh, of the movie. And you find out at oh. the end that she's also a robot. Yeah. Um, like, and that's why I didn't like her robot because I'm like, I feel like that design and that look didn't fit in with what all of the other stuff that we were yeah. seeing. Yeah, she did not have rivets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was a, it, an in, the whole thing had an in, interesting visual gestalt that I think hung together. Now let me t- let me tell you two things where I just lost it. And by lost it, I mean like rolled my eyes up and said, "Oh, okay, all right." Do you guys? remember or did you catch on to how freaking many times either uh, Jude Law or Gwyneth Paltrow dived to the floor because they were either going to get stepped on or they were dodging and sometimes they dodged to the floor together. The two of them face planted about 20 times in this movie it kept happening and I was just like oh my god if I see this one more time But at the same time, if you're acting on a blue screen, what else are you going to do? Jump on the floor. I guess that was the direction for the. I don't know what. Just jump on the floor. Well, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow was reaching for the Tic Tac she dropped. (laughs) Honestly. Um, Another sort of uh, diesel punk example. Sorry, it just kind of came to me because, again, I've just been watching it is that um, Batman the Animated Series. Like it definitely has that very Mm. stylized of like the forties and fifties, but still has the technology of modern times, but it still looks, it still has that, like that look of, yeah. uh, um, of that time period. Man, did you, did you ever see those wonderful color uh, animated Superman movies from the Fleischer studio? I have seen clips of them. I can't say that I like I've seen like the full films, but I've definitely seen clips of them as part of like a, you know, Superman sort of special. Yeah. He had to be uh, the, the director had to be influenced by the look of those Superman movies. Oh, oh I bet. I bet. Um, the other thing that just made me groan and like, go, okay, were those damn, uh, metal things that had rivets and they flapped their wings <laughs> get out of here just stop it already they looked like aluminum foil pterodactyls yes yes i just thought that was that would no you've ruined it that's not a good choice not a good choice anyway <laughs> so uh, before we wrap things up we have arrived at a section we like to call our snack tray because this is what's left over after the the big meal of the junk, you know. So I'll go ahead and uh, give you an idea of something else you might enjoy. If you liked Sky Captain, maybe you saw it the first time and uh, you want to see something else like it. So uh, I kind of changed my mind on this. I I actually was going to say Sin City. Now, <laughs> I have not actually watched it yet. I'm, <gasps> I'm iffy because Bruce Willis is in it. But I'll forgive him and I'll watch it because it's he, he's one of the better parts of the movie, <laughs> particularly meaning, meaning that his his character arc is kind of like 
a through line of the film Ooh, and is okay. and is it, it, it his is a very good storyline okay well um that's unofficially my recommendation what i'm actually going to recommend instead is a film that was made oh it was uh let's see what year was this uh it was just the year before sky captain and uh it was done for it was uh set in victorian times starring sean connery the league of extraordinary gentlemen and uh, it's i in, have it it's right over here in my oh uh, so the story is in an alternate victorian age world a group of famous contemporary fantasy science fiction and adventure characters team up on a secret mission and sean connery's character is alan quatermain uh, i would uh. i would recommend reading the the comic books over the movie there were lots of liberties and awkwardness taken in the movie the movie is still fun it's one of those movies that i will still pop in and just watch when i want to watch something kind of fun and silly um the books are much so the books actually the comic books actually focus more on um mina um the character from the dracula uh dracula um she definitely becomes more of the leader than alan quartermain but having a female run like you know superhero movie absolutely not um but it, it's still fun i would i, I would still recommend it mm-hmm. um did you have something that that uh, uh sky captain reminded you of and, and you just felt like a gee if people like that they might like this i mean I, have... I mean i mean I'll, I'll still say sin city uh again uh-huh. if, you sin city. If, if you want to see something that is this same vein but in my opinion done better uh it is definitely more it, it's not as campy it's still camp but it's not yeah. as campy meaning that it's not as like kid friendly like it is definitely very adult uh lots of blood lots of violence lots of um sex drugs murder yada yada mm-hmm. yada um because it's also by frank miller um you know if you yeah. frank miller um any of his work um but it is it again. It still has that very interesting feel. Um, again, everything's in black and white except for some certain things. Like there's a uh, one of one of the most uh, or one of the things that I really loved about it is um, there are definitely some characters that there's something that is colored on them. Then there's a reason that that they're colored. So like one of the stories is called um, the Yellow Bastard. So he is mm-hmm. yellow. Um, and there's a character later in, in, in the movies um, and her name is Blue Eyes. And so again, the whole movie is black and white, except she's got blue eyes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, pl- played by um, Alexis Bledel from the Gilmore Girls. Oh. Uh, but yeah, and, and, and also it's one of those, it's another movie, um, again, kind of in like <laughs> the early aughts where it's like ensemble where there's, it's just kind of like a who's who of Hollywood from that time period. Which yeah. is like a snapshot of, if you if you could take like, Teen People, uh, Vogue magazine, and you know Hollywood of two thousand four. That's <laughs> ever, ever, anyone that you knew was in that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tommy Ashbrooks is reminding me of uh, why a lot of people are not huge fans of Frank Miller. <laughs> I guess he was. Uh, well, he was a bit of a homophobic jerk, as well, as Tommy absolutely. puts it. Yeah, but I I, uh, I first came across him on Daredevil at, in Marvel and was a huge fan. And, you know, once he left uh, 
that. And sure, I looked at his marvelous Batman breakthrough mm-hmm. graphic yeah, novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, but beyond that, I, I've sort of lost touch with him. Um, so here's my recommendations. Uh, if you really liked the the gestalt of the movie, the look of the movie, uh, uh, why not treat yourself? And go back to one of the original sources, uh, the 1930s serialized uh, movies uh, of Flash Gordon. And, you know, dig those riveted uh, spaceships uh, as they did them back then. Uh, At least watch one episode. You know, I mean, they they have their own charm to them and obviously uh the the guy that made this movie was in love with that whole look and the other movie if you if you like that that black and white that stylized look in a completely different kind of movie dead men don't wear plaid with steve martin uh is a a wonderful comedy that uh, mixes old black and white Hollywood actors and footages, creates a whole new story, and it is rather artfully. Uh, and it's it's got a little bit of what was going on there in Sky Captain. Hmm. Did you ever see that one, Demanda? I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's it's a uh, I wouldn't say. Well, maybe I would. I, it's an early Steve Martin movie. Uh, he also did. Do, he also did Pennies from Heaven, which was also stylized black and white. So Steve Martin was very interested in that. Now, Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid, I think, was directed by Doe, the guy that did the Dick Van Dyke show. Doe, he's. Did he just pass? He's like Carl, ancient now. Are Carl, you, Carl, Carl, Carl Reiner, okay. I believe, directed Dead Men Don't Anyways, it just plays with that black and white look so lovely, the way Sky King did there. That's it. Those are my recommendations. Oh, righty. So, uh, Demanda, we uh, normally just walk out here to the lobby of the theater and uh, let our folks in the chat room know what's coming down the pike. But uh, I want to thank you for dropping by this evening and uh, just regaling us with your fabulousness. And, uh, you know, if uh, if there's no restraining order involved, uh, let the listeners know where they can find you on the interwebs. So, yes, if you would like to hear more of my opinions, um, I have lots of them. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Demanda Martini, D-M-A-N-D-A-M-A-R-T-I-N-I. Uh, if you are, you know, one of these newfangled kids on the interwebs, you can also find me on TikTok. Um, I also guest regularly on a podcast called Power of X-Men, um, which is, uh, again, if you're a big X-Men nerd, nerd like I am, uh, they have shows that come out every week. Super fun. Um, I'm just trying to think. And uh, uh, also, if you are in the DC area and you are a convention goer, I will be at Blurred Con uh, that is coming up on July 16th. It's the 16th, 17th, and 18th. Um, I will be at 
the uh, Dax exclamation point booth uh, with my friend Dax. Uh, we will be there all weekend in festive matching looks. And yeah, so come say hi. Very nice. Well, I'm so happy you're getting out there again and that, uh, oh, just conventions and all that stuff is just coming back to life. I, I mean, and I also just got uh, an email back from our dear friends at Farpoint. So uh, you will probably catch me at Farpoint in February. Oh, yes. We intend to be there in person. <laughs> all right. Well, Demanda, um, if you could uh, reach up on that shelf there. we uh, The Marionette Theater is a celebrated venue. We were once home to the likes of Vaudeville. Well, once even had a magician pass through these doors. And, you know, just like Dirty Laundry, he left a bag of coins. Could you hand me that bag of coins there? Absolutely. All righty, so pass that over to me, Toppy. All right, here you go. All right, so we do the show the first and third Friday of each month, and the next time we get together will be Friday, July 18th. Next time on that Nanusha, from the director of Murder on the Orient Express, the television network cynically exploits a deranged former anchor's ravings and revelations about the news media for its own profit. This film stars the star of Bonnie and Clyde, Faye Dunaway, and from the towering inferno, William Holden. Next time on Matinee Minutia, Network. Fabulous old movie. And by the way, that movie presaged uh, what would come in television. Uh, it really was visionary because way back when this movie was made, ain't nobody heard of, uh, uh, I don't know, whack job talk show hosts. Like who's the guy that does the, uh, the worst of them, the worst of those stupid. Jerry, Jerry, uh, Jerry, um, Jerry Springer. Springer. Okay. This movie presages years before Jerry Springer's and all of their like and reality TV. It, it's amazing how accurate network was and far, far before any of it came true. And it's a good movie. Well, sir, we are out here at the lobby and it's time to give the uh, you know, the old style goodbye. So if you would, please say good night, Gracie. All right. Imagine me. I'm in black and white. And uh, there's a little bit of, I'm a little blurry because it's old television. Uh, say good night, Gracie. Demand a good night. Oh, good night. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live the first and third Friday of each month. Go to univazpods.net, click the tower for audio, enter Discord for chat. You can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Tweet us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Join our Facebook group. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a future show? Or just want to message us? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com.
This has been an Alibug production. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net.